Hello everyone, I'm Frank Rock and welcome to From the Hacks Waking Up with the Briar. The 2021 Tim Hortons Briar got underway on Friday evening, but that wasn't even the biggest curling news of the day. On today's episode, we'll discuss the World Curling Federation's announcement that the 2021 World Women's Curling Championships will take place in the Calgary bubble in early May. We have clips from a press conference held following the announcement by the members of Team Anderson. We also discuss the announcement with Coach Phil Drop of USA Curling, and also on today's episode, we go inside the bubble with Jason Gunnelson of Team Manitoba. The World Curling Federation announced on Friday that the 2021 World Women's Curling Championships will take place from April 30th to May 9th inside the Calgary Curling Bubble. Many had long wondered why the World Curling Federation had not moved the Women's Worlds to the bubble from the outset, but as Scott Arnold of the World Curling Federation explained to From the Hack, there were contractual obligations with sponsors and other stakeholders that led the organization to stick with their original plan to host the Women's Worlds in Switzerland until the health authorities informed organizers that they would not approve the hosting of the event. Mr. Arnold also told from the hack that seeing the Scotties go off without a hitch certainly helped the World Curling Federation in making the decision to host the Women's Worlds inside the bubble. This was echoed by Catherine Henderson, CEO of Curling Canada, in a press conference held on Friday afternoon for Kerry Anderson and the other members of Team Canada. You know, I think there, there's a bit of a proof of concept for one thing. You know, we were able to pull it off. Uh, I think secondly, um, you know, at the time, there's usually a financial arrangement between the World Curling Federation and the host committee. And, um, you know, none of that had been put into place and so I think we were able to put together um, to work, you know, with the leadership at the World Curling Federation and, you know, with, with a ton of stakeholders uh, to be able to put together a business case that would, that would make it actually viable as well. As for Team Canada's Skip Kerry Anderson, she was very pleased to hear the announcement that the World Curling Federation would be hosting the Women's Worlds inside the Calgary bubble. Oh, I feel absolutely amazing to, uh, I've heard rumors about this and, uh, I just didn't want to get my hopes up. So to finally uh, get a confirmation that it's a go-ahead, it feels so unbelievable. Team Anderson's third, Val Sweeting, reflected on last year's disappointment and on how the team's first reign as Team Canada was essentially cancelled by the pandemic. Yeah, it was challenging for sure, um, being sent home. And, you know, we didn't just miss out on our world championship. We missed out on the entire next season as team Canada and you normally get to enjoy some perks. So it was challenging, you know, to be told there won't be a world. You're going to have to win again. Other teams are going to get a buy because there won't be a provincial and there's going to be more teams to build a field as well. So it'll be the strongest yet. So we're kind of, okay, great. Yep. No problem. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the fact that we, we're able to put everything together and win that again is, is very exciting. And yeah, the fact that we now get to play in worlds, I don't think you could have written it up any better. So we're, we're super excited and honored for that opportunity. During the press conference, Brianne Mayer, the lead for Team Anderson, echoed Sweeting's comments and spoke about the team's resilience in the weeks and months leading into this year's Scotties. Yeah, um, we've had a lot of challenges put our way and 
we've been taking them on one at a time. Um, there's way more than we thought we would have to take on, but I really love how our team has not let it get us down. And every time a new challenge comes up, we're ready to take it and we take it the best we can and we move on. And now we're in a position that we wanted to be in and we're really excited that we get to play in these worlds. And so all that hard work and all the crap we had to go through before it all seems worth it. Um, so it's really exciting we get this opportunity again. As for Shannon Burchard, the second for Team Anderson, she represented Canada at the 2018 Women's Worlds in North Bay, Ontario, as the alternate for Jennifer Jones. Burchard spoke about wanting to get back to the Women's Worlds, where she will play in every game as opposed to 2018, and how she wants to help her team compete for world curling supremacy. Uh, it means a lot. Um, this would be my first opportunity to play in a full world's championship. Um, I got a really great taste with the Jones team and was so grateful for that opportunity. Um, and I hope to carry some of that experience into the bubble, uh, in May. Um, it's so wonderful to get this, you know, almost second chance after last year. So I think we're just ready to give it our all and, and show the world, our stuff. And finally, Heather Nedwin, the coach for Team Canada, spoke about how Carrie Anderson and her team will need to maintain the focus and routine they established during the Scotties because, as Team Canada, they will not have the type of home advantage that they would have if the arena was filled with Canadian fans. Yeah, David and I were talking about that this morning. It's like actually our Canadian team is going to play internationally because usually when we when the boys uh, traveled internationally, there wasn't many people in the crowd. So it's kind of like uh, they're going to be the international teams will be missing the Canadian fans because they embrace the spirit and the of the, you know, the caliber of the teams and the spirit of the game. So everybody, everybody is going to be missing the roar of the of the crowds. Um, but then we got, also got talking that, you know, you get into your own routine so much that you're just really from the hotel and to the arena and back and forth when you get into your routines. Um, what we'll miss is, you know, is those gasps, like we were talking with TSN, the crew, and and those moments when we do the little uplifters uh, from the crowd, we'll miss those. But our experience will be uh, helpful is that we drew that upon each other, and we have to celebrate more and talk like ourselves and be ourselves. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we'll be missing the crowds for sure, but I hope our viewership will go up. My next guest today is Coach Phil Drobnik of USA Curling, who joined me to discuss the World Curling Federation's decision to bring the women's worlds to the Calgary bubble. Coach Phil, the World Curling Federation announced earlier on Friday that the World Women's Curling Championships will take place in the Calgary bubble from April 30th to May 9th. How exciting was it for you when you first heard the news that they were finally going to put on this event in the spring as opposed to perhaps waiting until the fall? Yeah, just very excited to, to hear the announcement today um, and, and really happy for uh, Team Peterson. I know how hard this team has worked over the last couple of years. I'm obviously winning the winning the national championship last year and traveling to the world championship only to, for it to get canceled, uh, you know, due to COVID for a very good reason. And um, you know, and then them working so hard to to be prepared for the world championship this year, and uh, and then it you know getting postponed or canceled, and then um, just great great news to get this rescheduled and to be able to get this in this season is is not only big for. Um, you know, for for Team Peterson, but it's it's big for the for the entire world. Um, you know, the last thing any country wanted to do was to uh, go into um, 
September, October, throw another event in there, um, especially for, for countries like, like the United States and, uh, and Canada who have Olympic trials that their teams are preparing for. Now that the announcement has been made, what will be the plan for Tabitha Peterson and her team as they get ready not only for two slams, but now also for a world championship? Yeah, we've had a plan in place for them. Um, you know, the, uh, Lainey Peters, uh, who does a great job with it, with this team coaching them, um, has uh, has had a great plan in place for them, and um, and it's it, it, we haven't changed from that. So um, that's that's been a positive. Um, so they've already got uh, weekends training training weekends that they've been doing for the last three months and um, practice games and, and various things like that. So they're in a good spot. Um, they knew they were going to the uh, to the slams, so I think that'll be um, a real positive to go into the slams, play two competitions, and then play in the and then play in the um, world championship. And then, of course, uh, as you know, Tab. Uh, Tabitha Peterson will, will then go on to the mixed doubles uh, world championships. Now, I'm sure you've been told what the protocols will be for Team Peterson in order to enter the bubble. How long ahead of time will they have to come to Canada and quarantine before they can start competing? Yeah, it's been about uh, the, the standard uh, protocol has been a week, um, you know, about a week. So they'll probably look at having to go in, um, I believe, around uh, April 7th um, and would be in the bubble basically through... Uh, through, I think, I don't know if the uh, firm dates were announced, but I think if I recall reading, it was the 9th of uh, May when the, when the gold medal game will be for the Women's World Championships. I'm assuming the protocols will be the same for Team Schuster as they enter the bubble for the Men's Worlds in a couple of weeks? Yeah, we take off, uh, we take off March 25th, um, and we arrive in the Calgary bubble uh, March 25th, and we'll be there, um, you know, through through the World Championships, um, you know, we I think our first uh, five days or so is uh, you know quarantined in your room, and then um, and then we'll get there for uh, to do some. Uh, they have pra- various practices set up for the teams for the first couple of days that they can get out of quarantine, and then um, the official uh, team practice, and then uh, get the event rolling with the with the first game. So um, you know, they uh, props to. Uh, uh, Curl Canada, um, that all the work that they've done to set up this bubble and to get this uh, to, to allow these athletes to to be able to compete at this level. And I know uh, um, we had a call with uh, Nolan Thiessen today, and I know how much work he's been doing to to ensure that these uh, you know all these teams can can do this safely. So uh, and obviously the the WCF um, working uh, um, collaboratively with them. Coach, how key will those two slams be for the several women's teams, including Team Peterson, who will then compete in the women's worlds? Without those two slams, you'd have a bunch of teams competing for Olympic spots with very few game reps coming into such an important championship. Yeah, it's a a great situation for Team Peterson um, and all the ladies' teams that are going to be playing in in those grand slams um, and then going into the worlds. I I suspect the the women's world competition is going to be... you know, a, a fantastic uh, a battle of, with all these teams having battling it out, or with with a number of the teams battling it out in the slams uh, for two weeks, and then and then going into a world championships. It's going to be uh, must see TV for sure, and it's going to be a great setup for 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 obviously for Team Peterson to be prepared to, to play in that uh, women's world championship, and as I said, then for Tab to go and and, and compete in a, in a in a mixed doubles world championship. 
And finally, Coach, aside from the fact that the World Championships will be very important with those six nations earning a ticket to the Olympics, how important will the two slams and the Women's Worlds be for Team Peterson specifically, considering they haven't played much this season like all of the other teams, and then they'll be heading into a very important Olympic season come late summer. I mean, I've heard rumors that uh, the next curling season might start as early as late July or early August. Yeah, I think it'll be a great opportunity for them to go and represent their country and to to get some games in. Um, you know, the reality is it's going to be a long uh, a long summer and a long fall. Everyone knows that because curling's going to once once we start to open up, curling's going to ramp up. Uh, I can envision our teams uh, starting to hit the ice in July and August to prepare for our November trials. So. Um, you know, it, it great for these uh, for Team Peterson and Team Schuster to be able to, to get some some games in. But you know, the the reality is these uh, uh, for for the American teams, um, they're going to be setting up a schedule to be able to uh, peak in November for the Olympic trials. So you know, every team that's that's chasing that Olympic dream will be doing that. So likely we'll we'll see those teams, you know, getting on the ice to practice probably in in uh, in July, which is. Uh, absurd to think in our sport, right? Uh, and uh, they're going to have to be in the ice practicing in, in July, and we're going to have competitions likely in August, September, and October, and the Olympic trials in November. In draw one action at the Tim Hortons Briar, Brad Gushu threw 100%, leading Team Canada to a 6-2 win over Ontario. After the game, Gushu spoke about his team still trying to find their groove, despite the good result on Friday evening. Uh, I haven't felt it, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, again, I, I, made, I made some shots. We all made some shots. I don't think we, none of us really felt, I think, real comfortable and, and confident out there yet. I think it's just a matter of uh, we try to, make, make, try to make shots and get creative. And there were some odd throws out there. But uh, I think as we get a couple games in, we'll get, that'll come. Uh, I certainly think tomorrow is going to be a whole lot better t- than today as far as feeling those sea legs but it, it felt uh there was some jittery leg i think and we both both talked about it and that's not uncommon um uh, first game in a briar but then it gets exaggerated when you don't practice coming in in other draw one action quebec defeated newfoundland and labrador by a score of seven to six saskatchewan defeated none of it by a score of ten to two and wildcard team cooey defeated nova scotia by a score of seven to four my final guest today is Jason Gunluxon, who will be leading his team to their second consecutive Briar appearance as Team Manitoba. Team Gunluxon reached the championship pool last season at the Briar and are looking to improve on that performance this year in Calgary. So Jason, I try to open up all of these uh, waking up with the uh, Briar interviews uh, by asking my guests what your go-to beverage is in the morning to get your day off on the right foot. Oh, I need to start off with the coffee, just a basic coffee, lots of milk in it. Um, I'm, I'm just learning to be a coffee connoisseur here later in life. And uh, then, you know, once once we're kind of up and awake and, and functioning, then uh, give, me a, give me a nice latte or something and we're good to go. Now, you and the team have been in the bubble for a few days now. What has it been like so far? It's been, well, isolating, yes, but um, also, also it's it's been, everything's gone as good as could be expected. Like, you know, we kind of, nothing, we had no um, weird hiccups or anything like that. It's been smooth. The food's been excellent from the hotel, which has been great. And no, it, it's it's gone as good as it could. It's just a little bit weird for someone like me who loves to, you know, talk to people and communicate and such to be stuck in a hotel room for this long. 
At least one of the members of your team had a significant other inside the bubble to compete in the Scotties. I'm sure information was shared, and I wonder how much that has helped your team as you prepare to compete inside the bubble. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Connor is such a great teammate and does a lot of our organization and with uh, for our team. And his wife, Selena, was in the bubble. So, so we were able to really have a good idea from there. You know, um, and just talking to some of the other athletes, it seems like they probably had a few more growing pains the first time we did this. The Basically, since we've got here and even in the lead up, everything's been extremely smooth. I mean, there's a lot of steps because that's the only way we can play safely in a pandemic. Um, But it's been smoothly operated. I know your team has been on the ice for a couple of practices already. How is the ice, and is it similar to what you were able to observe while watching the Scotties last week? Yeah, the ice is great. I mean, this is a unique opportunity for us because um, Greg Owasco, like, we love playing on his ice, but for all ice makers and arenas, the first couple of days of practice and first couple of days of competition tend to be a little bit tricky because it's kind of a you know, they're skilled, they've got a a blueprint, but it's still trial and error on some of the the finer details. But with like effectively an event to to do that with the Scotties, the ice looks fantastic. In the second practice we got, we just kept commenting, the ice looks exactly how it looked at the Scotties, like same time to the T-line, same amount of curl, Um, rocks look fantastic. It really, I do think you're going to see just fantastic play you know, pretty much right out of the gate, you know, for the teams that are winning in the Briar. Now, with the Briar being scheduled following the Scotties, many of the men's teams got a couple of extra weeks to throw rocks. What was the situation with your team? Did you get to throw a lot more over the past 10 days than you may have had the previous weeks or months? Yeah, I mean, Manitoba was one of those provinces where the timing really helped the men, um, you know, where the women got a couple days before, um, they left. They were able to throw. We got to throw um, all during the Scotties, and it really makes us feel a lot more confident coming in. I mean, if we would have got no practice leading into the Briar, that would have been, you know, it would have been pretty tough, you know, a technically, but but probably almost bigger challenge mentally to just not uh, have those reps to draw on that you're used to. So that's definitely helped us. Adams had a really really interesting year in PEI because he's actually most of the time it's been open. So he's practiced a ton and um, normally playing from PEI or anywhere in the Maritimes, there's so much travel. It's hard to get a lot of reps in during a season. So he's almost, he's probably never, never had such a crazy ratio of practice to games in his life. So it'll be interesting. I know that there are many different dynamics in play because of the bubble, but how much will your team's experience at last year's Briar where you qualified for the championship pool help you in this year's event? Yeah, it's going to be very different uh, for sure. But I think the experience, it seems to be important when I look at, you know, other players and their career arcs and things like that. I mean, there's the exceptions, but in general, um, you know, players and teams and especially skips the first couple of times they go, sometimes there's a bit of a learning curve there. So, um, you know, we we played really well and, and we're quite proud of what we did in the first pool play. In the championship pool, we kind of just ran out of gas a little bit, it seemed like. Um, not because we're not, you know, in the gym every day and, and strong athletes, but more more likely because um, we just qu- weren't quite used to everything that a briar entailed. 
um, getting another crack at it, you know, especially the next year is amazing. But like you say, I really think this is a different beast. And, and for us, I think it's going to be more similar to a lot of the events we normally play in where, you know, it's kind of eat, sleep, curl, eat, sleep, curl, um, you know, which, which I'm personally really excited for. One of the big stories during the Scotties was how different it was with no crowd in the arena. It's obviously going to be a different experience than it was for your team last year in Kingston. Uh, how is your team going to approach that reality, the fact that you're going to be playing in an event of this magnitude inside an arena with no crowd? For sure. I mean, I think we love playing in front of the crowds. And, you know, it's one of the most fun things we get to do as athletes and as curlers um, is play in front of a, you know, packed house. So, we're definitely going to miss it. On the other hand, well, I've heard some people make comments like, you know, without the crowd, will it be hard to have energy? Our teams very rarely has any problem with, you know, having energy and being excited to play the game. Um, you know, so I, I think that, you know, not having a crowd, well, it sucks, probably doesn't hurt us from a competitive standpoint. To be honest with you, uh, Gunnar, I think where teams will miss the crowds the most is when they're struggling and make a big shot that would usually get a roar from the crowd, and this year there'll be no reaction. I mean, you can tell on occasion when teams use the crowd for that energy to help them get going during a game when they're not feeling it. I mean, Team Cooey uh, did that a few times during the Men's Worlds uh, a couple of years ago. They they were playing okay, but not totally feeling it, and then Kevin Cooey would make this double takeout or this triple takeout that would get a roar from the crowd, and all of a sudden you could see the other guys on the team just kind of get excited and get their energy going again. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be very different. And I mean, fortunately in curling, we have, you know, great fans who, who tend to be in general, pretty supportive of, of all the teams. Uh, you know, definitely we've had a couple of fun experiences where we're playing, you know, Alberta back in the day against Kevin Martin, or you're playing in, in um, Northern Ontario against Jacobs or something like that. And it, it, that that's one of my favorite atmospheres to play in so I mean we're going to miss a little bit of that and I I do agree that um, you know when you make a big shot like you know one of these triple takeouts or a big you know big shot for a bunch of points it's not going to be as inflating but also when somebody else makes it against you it's not going to be as deflating so I will agree it's probably going to be a little easier to be even keel without the without the crowd. Now, Jason, you're one of the more data-driven guys in the sport, and I know that you lean on analytics for much of the preparation you do for big events and for your in-game strategy. Does the fact that none of your opponents have played much this year and that there are next to, there's next to no data available make it more difficult for you as you prepared for the uh, made it more difficult for you as you prepared for the Briar this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely impacted the way we would prepare. That's I for sure agree with that. Um, you know, I think you're going to want to keep your eyes open a little bit more because teams have had a lot longer to just think about things, potentially discuss things. Like, it is possible you see some teams making bigger changes than they normally would. But on the other hand, with very little practice and no games in front of it, my guess is that things don't change that much. And my guess from a tactical perspective is that, you know, things don't change too much from last briar to this briar, seeing more or less no curlings happen in between the two briars. And, um, you know, we've all just been kind of sitting at home waiting out the pandemic. So, no, I, I would say, you know, it changes it. But my guess is that the tactics will be fairly similar prior to bar.
Now, I realize you can't speak for other teams, but how is your team feeling entering the bubble, especially from a health and fitness perspective? I asked a similar question to the women's teams prior to the Scotties because sweeping, as an example, is difficult to replicate in the gym. And I'm just wondering how your team, and, and once again, you can't speak for the others, but I'm wondering how your team is, uh, is approaching that, uh, not really being sure you know, if they're actually in game shape, as it were. Well, I think we're, we're pretty well prepared in considering the um, restrictions in Manitoba that we've, you know, been living under, we've done as good of a job as we could. Um, we did get back into the gym a little bit before we, we left us around the same time, kind of about two weeks out. Um, some of the restrictions, you know, were getting slightly lifted um, in Manitoba. So, I mean, I think we feel good about it. We definitely made sure we bought, brought Jacques Gauthier, the reigning uh, world junior champ along because like, there's a legitimate chance that people get hurt, people get dinged up, what have you. And we felt like we really needed somebody who could come in and play if needed. Um, so I don't, I think we're in game shape to play, but, but I do worry that there's a higher chance of injury. Even just the way the bubble is, is needs to be for safety. It's not optimal for, you know, um, injury prevention and for, for, um, competing like we're really going from zero to 100 in intensity here um you know for our team especially like i mean yeah we we played basically no we played no games of foursome and now we're gonna play you know we're gonna play one of the favorites on tv you know as a first game like that does seem like a recipe that injury could happen so definitely something we're hoping to avoid but hope also feel we've got a great insurance policy with Jacques Gauthier with us and finally jason this might be a hard question to answer because your team hasn't played together this season but what do you think will be the keys for your team if you're to return to the championship pool and make a push towards the playoffs at the 2021 briar in calgary well i mean i i think we got to have a good start um as you mentioned before you know we we have a tough match right off the out of the gate but i mean we feel that like based on where we're seated, you know, if we can come out and play and win the games we're supposed to, maybe get one or two um, where we're the underdog, you know, and make it through that first pool. I, I mean, that's that's the big key for us. And then, you know, when if we're able to make it to the championship pool, you know, we want to improve on our performance. But the other thing we have to be realistic about is, is that this is the first event. Um, you know, Alex Forrest stepped back and uh, from the game and Matt Wozniak joins our team. And, and I mean, I think that's a great pickup for us and really, uh, you know, is something we're excited for and, and expect some great things out of. But, you know, in week one, we can't can't be maybe expecting too, too much, um, you know, and, and getting too crazy with results-based uh, planning. So, yeah, make the championship pool and, and um, improve on our, our performance last year would be great for us. And that does it for this episode of Waking Up with the Briar. Join me tomorrow for more recaps, interviews, and insights from the 2021 Tim Hortons Briar in Calgary.